0: Previously on Running the Light.
1: Man, there's some fun comics out here. I saw one guy and I forgot his name, but he called himself the Black Sam Elliott. And what he did? Oh, it's Dave Carter. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I just I saw somebody else post about him. I love Dave. I just saw Dave for the first time in a long time, and uh, he's uh amazing with voices he does voiceover for like he's done he's been in gears of war and what? like yeah yeah he does what? like a bunch of, yeah he's like a professional voiceover guy <laughs> no wait what <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's one of the uh, marines uh i don't know i remember exactly which one but he's in gears of war yeah god damn it that was cool some, some other video games too yeah because yeah. what he did is he did budweiser slogans as sam Elliott yeah, yeah, yeah. for five minutes and i lost my shit say <laughs> they <See> there, friend. <laughs> And I didn't know I was listening to a guy that I have probably listened to when I was like 14 playing Gears one. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, uh, he also Uh, does, I don't know if he did this bit, but he has a perfect uh, James Earl Jones that he can do. And I was like, oh, if they don't use him for the new Lion King, which they didn't, but that would have been amazing if he did. Uh, Omaha's fine. It's just. When you want to get out and see a bigger scene, like like LA, when I went to LA, there was always something to do every night, and I loved it. It was a smorgasbord of stuff. <laughs> right. So that that's where the unfortunate is. I just want to I just want to get out uh, some days. But uh, this is Running the Light, uh, a podcast where I interview comics from all over the nation, and today I have Dave Carter. Uh, you might know him from World of Warcraft, from uh, Gears of War. Or from Fallout Four, and most recently, uh, Sherman Show, uh, where you play Frederick Sherman Douglas. Showcase. Sherman Showcase, yes, where yes. you play. Uh, I shortened it down to Sherman Show for some reason. Um, where you actually mm-hmm. play, uh, where you play uh, Frederick Douglass, and those sketches have been great. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I saw you at the Universal Bar and Grill, where you played uh, <laughs> a character you called Black Sam Elliott doing Budweiser impressions, uh, Budweiser commercials, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a fun bit. The show, Oh, by the way, on the Sherman Showcase tonight is the season finale, and I'm big in it, so you should check it out.
1: Oh, awesome! That's on IFC, right? Correct. Oh yeah, no, I'll try and try and give it a uh, give it a watch. I actually pretty excited for it. It's been it's been fun. It's been fun watching that. Uh, it's been good. Sure. It's that and uh, Black Lady Sketch Show have been fun to like watch. I've been watching a, a lot of yeah. different sketch shows. Oh my god, it's been amazing. Uh,
0: yeah, Robin Thede is a a good friend I've known her for a long time, and that show is kind of killing it. I was watching it the other day. I'm like, "Oh, that's a great sketch. My, it's all chicks. I love it."
1: Yeah, my uh, my producer actually then uh, retweeted a sketch about a uh, black lady courtroom, and I yeah. fucking lost it. It was great.
0: My favorite is get the belt. the, yeah. the, the game show. Like, that. That's some real. That's some real shit for black people. <laughs> uh,
1: or the spy. It's hilarious. The spy one was really yeah, fun. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that and listening to her talk about it on. Uh, oh gosh, who hosted the nightly show? Alan the other day. No. Um, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Oh god, I can't remember. Nightly with Larry Wilmore, the Larry Wilmore sh- uh, podcast, and talking about. Oh, him. gotcha. Yeah, and it's been a lot of fun, like learning about the the start of the show and hearing about the sketches before I even saw the sketches. It's been kind of fun.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's a small universe out here in certain parts where it's like yeah, those people are all people I've known for years. And it's interesting when you get to finally work in some capacity with them and they remember to take you along and you're working on stuff. So it's good.
1: Oh, right. No, it's, it's always nice to like kind of have a friend that's a little bit farther ahead of you. And then it's nice to know you're remembered. It's it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have, I have a traveling, sure. I have a traveling comedian friend, uh, Aubrey, and I remember meeting her like years ago and she, we talked about ghostwriting I completely forgot, and she remembered my name after meeting up with me at one open mic, and it, it felt nice. It feels nice, just little things like that.
0: Right on. Yeah.
1: So how's your week?
0: Uh, we're on Wednesday. Yes. It's been a bit, a bit hectic, but uh, not too horrible. A lot of shows I had a show on Monday in Ventura for an anniversary of an open mic up there that I did a long time ago. Nice. just went to celebrate with those guys and took some LA up there with some other stuff I did. Yeah, booked out the rest of this week for shows, it seems like. Nice. Some page, some art.
1: Yeah, that's the case.
0: And then you just kinda keep moving, you know? Right. Also tonight we got the, the viewing party for the finale. So
1: Oh nice. That should be that should be yeah, a blast. Yeah,
0: I get to go in there and talk about more work and like, hey, congratulations, dude. let's all suck each other's butts. You know, and uh you know, hey, is there more work coming? I'd love oh, to be involved. Okay, I'll go to the I'll go to the bouncy house. Never mind. I'll go to the bouncy house. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no that 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 sounds uh exciting and frightening. Uh incredibly incredibly frightening.
0: Yeah, you hope everything is received well and, and so far it's been received well across, you know, the many platforms and magazines. Right. The guys have been everywhere. Oh so yeah. It, it makes it nice for me. I got a tweet out from uh John Legend not too long ago stories about that. my project it? Yeah, yeah, dude, that congrats, was fun. yeah. Not that he knows my name or anything or invites me to the parties for our kids, but uh <laughs> But hey, yeah, it's, that's kind of cool. It's Pretty cool.
1: Recognized, yeah, yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. Uh, I think the best it's ever gotten from me is I was walking down the street one day, and a guy got out of his car and screamed, "Hey, you're that comic, right?" And <laughs> my response was, "Equal parts, yeah." And also, don't get away from me. <laughs> don't stab me. Were you gonna say, "Don't stab me"? No. It's more like I'm afraid of like aggressive human contact. And when someone gets out of their car and into their like sunroof and like screams at me and go, please go back to your car. I don't know. I, I don't know what the next step here is. I'm going to keep I, walking.
0: <laughs> I had something like that happen the other day. I was doing a play, like this musical and I was walking from the theater to one of my local bars and I was feeling down on myself. And then all of a sudden I turn a corner and there's you know, another black dude walking. I was giving like, you know, the, the what's up head smooth. Like, Hey, what's up? He goes, I know you. You're a pretty funny comic. And he kind of kept going. I'm like, Where did you see me? <laughs> you know, it's a random part of town. Like, What did you see? What did you catch? It could have been a good night or a bad night. But it was a good night I'm glad to him. I didn't yeah. Yeah. Apparently, because I didn't recognize him. And he had a lot of hair, too, which, you know, usually I can tell, you know, hair club for men, I usually can keep track.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I sometimes face out. Like, I've had a, like a bunch of people after show going into the next up and I say, Hey, good job. And I go, I didn't know you were there. But, uh, yeah, congrats. <laughs> I think it's because the room is so dark. Yeah. A well lit comedy room is uncomfortable. It feels like something's <laughs> wrong.
0: It's death to a comic. Like, Oh, I can see your expressions all the way oh. through
1: this joke. It's like a, night- Oh, you're judging. It's like a nightmare when you're walking into like your old childhood home, but like one thing's wrong and you're just uh, like scared.
0: I think so. I think that's one of those things. Like it's like, Oh, there's this idea of microaggressions. You see someone's face, like, "Hey, this joke is going to be." They already have this look of disconsent. they like a uh, disconcern. I have to get them back. I have to. Oh, now they're now they're now they're looking at me with anger. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think I need to see their faces. I just want to assume that they're all not looking at me to begin with.
1: I I like thinking that I'm speaking into a <laughs> void. I somehow that yeah, feels yeah. that feels comfortable. I don't know. Like, uh, last night I was doing an open mic. I was really tired. I wasn't feeling good. Um, and I walk up on stage, there's four people in the audience and three of them are having a conversation with each other. Uh, and they were in the front row. So and I, fuck it. I just turn to the sound guy and I start having a conversation with him and doing my set. <laughs> and that's when the three people started getting really engaged. Like, oh man, this is a bit. It's like, nah, he's just, he's just tired. <laughs> he's giving up. <laughs>
0: But we were trying to engage you by disengaging and talking to each other. But now that you have something going, it seems much more interesting.
1: Now that you have the ball, I want it. Yeah, pretty much. But in terms of show this week, I'm doing a show in South Dakota um, at a bookstore. Yeah, we were going to do it at eight, and then we found out that's when the Democratic uh, debate is. So we moved it up a couple of hours. And so it should be fun. Uh, I've never performed in a bookstore before comic bookstore, but never a bookstore. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm gonna that's see cool.
0: I just did a show in a library this past, like a week ago.
1: That seems counterproductive.
0: I was worried about it because I was thinking are like, are we going like have to whisper our sets the whole time? Is it like, are we gonna are we gonna get shushed? Like dude, is it a clean show? Like, trying to figure out what kind of show it was, But it wasn't bad. It was like seventy blue-haired old people kind of. And they were just content. and it wasn't a completely clean show, but it wasn't okay. a completely dirty show. It was fun.
1: It's like a PG show. That seems pretty good, was it pg thirteen ish? okay. Was the library closed? No, the
0: library was downstairs. We were in the conference room upstairs, mm-hmm. apparently. So oh. I was kind of surprised. I'm like, are they going to shush us the whole show? <laughs> Loudest librarian ever was like opening the show. She wasn't on the show. She was just talking about library stuff and the mic wasn't working. and She just started talking loud. I'm like, wow, did not expect that from a oh. librarian. I, I Carry this big ass room.
1: <laughs> I kind of want to know what library stuff is now. Is it just reading off a bulletin board?
0: <laughs> kind of like, okay, everyone's signed in. If you want to borrow this room, you want to use this room, the equipment in it, here's a sign-up for that. Check us online at this thing. I was like, wow. wow. I that, could hear her all the way in the
1: back. That that brings me back to those old summer exp- uh, activities where they take us to the library and I'd watch a guy make elephant toothpaste uh, for an hour. Uh, that seems seems nostalgic <laughs> and fun. I like it. <laughs> uh,
0: elephant toothpaste?
1: Oh, God. Uh, well, it's uh, basically you add soap and... Uh, hydro, uh, oxide, I think.
0: Hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen
1: peroxide. And one other thing, uh, but it it basically creates a steaming foam. Um, Mm. and it's called elephant toothpaste. It's basically just a way more in depth than science, like not uh, a more chemical based, uh, Mentos and Diet Coke.
0: Gotcha. You were that kid.
1: I was, I was, I also still have my, how to build a robot (laughs) book. Uh, that I got when I was in sixth grade from the, <laughs> the library. I still wanna do it. I don't know. I love robots, they're fun to me. <laughs>
0: a boy's version of frozen. Do you wanna
1: build a robot? Oh. Let's go outside and play. It's just two, it's just two really socially awkward kids standing in front of a bread box controller trying to figure out how it yeah. works.
0: I've got my solder gun. You wanna run? You wanna run and
1: play. <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh even um uh, have you watched anything or played anything
0: um i don't play video games which is hard to put in perspective for people because i'm old i like to do the voices i don't play them really i just got a new game on my phone that is not too obtrusive because everything wants you to be online playing oh, with yeah. other people right but i keep it kind of simple because i'm i'm just trying to learn how to function in this world and not <laughs> drool on myself while i do it yeah, so right. I play, like, I got this game about this giant hole, and it gets bigger as you put stuff in it, and I you just kind that. of just keep chasing the hole
1: around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't been playing much either. Um, I've been, I want to, but then every time I want to sit down and play something and go, I should write something or read something. And then I just Good do that. Good for you. Yeah. It's, well, it's just like, I, I, get, I get tired. Although Jake and I were, my twin brother and I sat and played uh, Smash Brothers for like an hour while eating Chinese food. Um but as
0: a twin, you have to give in.
1: I have to. Like we we both looked at each other and went, We're both this is both our weekends. Uh let's play some games. Um, but I've been reading Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie, which has been fun. Uh I got it years ago as oh, a crus- okay. Yeah. Uh it's Steinbeck traveling America, trying to find America in the nineteen sixties with his dog. <laughs> uh, okay. It's it's interesting, it's angry, um, and it's it's fun. Yeah. Uh, but as a kid and by kid, I mean like 14, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get that stream of conscious type of writing, uh, down. And I guess I, I didn't travel a lot as a kid. So I didn't, I didn't understand it. Plus Steinbeck's lifestyle is like, how dare they stand outside in sandals. It was a lot of that. Um, it was, it (laughs) is a lot of culture. Yeah. Or he hates cellophane. He hates plastic things. I've learned (laughs) it feels like an older, less, less of annoying Holden Caulfield is what it feels like. Um, yeah, um, but it does make me want to travel. Um, and now that I have gotten to travel under my belt, it it makes me appreciate traveling. But also understands that like I, if Seinfeld and I were to meet, not Seinfeld, uh, Steinbeck, Steinbeck and I would have met. He'd hate me.
0: <laughs> he would use his. He would make his valet slap you with a glove.
1: Yeah, or his dog. Although I like his dog. It's an old poodle.
0: I think the dog is a metaphor for his valet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> with crooked teeth and doesn't His bark.
0: manservant. <laughs> yeah, his manservant that he keeps around since childhood.
1: <laughs> uh, i just make some new reading on Mice and Men. Ugh. <laughs> uh, then I've also picked up Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I need to get into that because I hated it when I was a senior. I, didn't, I wasn't in love with it when I was forced to read it as a senior in high school. Now I want to retry it. Uh, and reread it and like see if i can appreciate it god bless you
0: living in omaha <laughs> just uh yeah you got time to read stuff you know i haven't read in 20 years almost out
1: here like you read what you got to read that's about it i read i read at the open mic like i was like really tired really bored i came 30 minutes before the open mic and it was random pull your name out of the hat uh and i said hi to all my comedian friends like Hey, what you doing? We talked about jokes. We talked about the podcast. And I'm cool. And then during free time, I was like, I'm just going to read. I'm tired. <laughs> and when when I have an idea, I will sit down and write. And that's that's been my plan. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, it's that old adage. If, if you want to write more, you need to read more. And uh, I need to get as a better writer. So I figure I might as well just start reading again.
0: <laughs> I don't know if Steinbeck's going to help you work through your process of writing jokes, though.
1: Um, I, The only thing that it does, well, I love Steinbeck, especially of Mice and Men as a kid. Uh, again, by kid, I mean middle schooler.
0: Hilarious. It was a hilarious book. It yeah. was
1: hilarious. But I think it was the descriptive use, the, that ability mm-hmm. to really describe something and paint something in detail, um, which can be a hindrance mm-hmm. and a blessing in a joke, because um, sometimes uh, people rather skip by important details or swallow too much in important details. Um and so just also learning new words. Right. Yeah. Also just learning yeah. new words. I think it's just it is nice our turns of phrases. Um and I, I just did. From the 1950s and 60s great. So not even that. From
0: the 30s and 50s, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Steinbeck. Well, so those are great new phrases you'll be learning. You'll you'll cut a rug and yeah, yeah that'd I'm be also. Great. That's I'm a great also, idea to find stuff, Jeremy.
1: I'm also like great wearing idea. a jean jacket and smoking tobacco from a pipe. I don't know who I'm for. <laughs> <laughs> I had to retire a joke. I don't know if that's a trend. It isn't. <laughs> I also had to retire a bit because I made a reference to uh, Jimmy Stewart's Harvey. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and no one else knew what the fuck I was talking. Yeah, yeah, I know Margie, I know you know, but I was in a bar.
0: And- <laughs> a six foot, seven foot puka hanging out yeah. in the bar. no one That's got awesome. it.
1: No one got it.
0: <laughs> but I was like, I got to. I, I, I don't know, know who. who that I'm- recently too, or was I there when you did that?
1: <laughs> no, I dropped it. Uh, I I did it once in Illinois because I was talking to a comic friend where I said, <laughs> uh, "I'm like if Jimmy Stewart fucked a rabbit." And I said that joke to my family, and they went, yeah, that's why your middle name's Harvey. And it's like, ah. And my comic friend told uh, me to say it in, uh, in fr- at the crowd of an Elkwood lodge. Um, and-
0: I want to say someone just told a joke like that really recently, and I remember getting tickled by the fact that they didn't go far enough and mentioned that he was a six-foot-seven-inch uh, six puka.
1: I wish I saw that, because I would have been way more engrossed with it
0: now um, here's the idea there's always a rule of nine there's, there's nine people thinking of that old ass joke and you're retiring it that means that they're one step closer to being the Highlander
1: oh I like that rule That feels, that feels nice <laughs> that that also means that I can use my way to manipulate people to retire that joke so I was like hey man now a lot of <laughs> people are going to get it I think you should drop it uh, and that combined it with the three year rule if no one said it in three years it's officially mine what? <laughs> okay, I love if, that rule this rule is I'm that, frightened by it, but yeah. That if no one's like you, you like if the comic you've seen use that idea hasn't used it in a few years, you can just run with it. Who said that? I remember hearing that at a bar and go, that's an interesting rule. Also that feels fast that's and loose. That's how you get cut. <laughs> that is how you get cut. Yeah, that's, like, what, that's how you get cut. Because like, that technically means seven dirty words is up for grabs.
0: Yeah. I mean yeah.
1: the idea of just because I didn't tell the joke doesn't mean I'm not going to use the joke. Maybe I think that it was joke idea. But I like the idea that people are not so gonna get jokes. It
0: kind of makes sense in this world that we live in that that could be someone's thinking on that. Not to say that it's completely faulty, but it's fucked up.
1: It's a little, it's a little weird. Uh, it's a little weird.
0: Yeah, you get cut for that.
1: Why does that now excite it's me more than you anything? Why does that? Why does the idea of hearing you're gonna get cut now excites me? I was like, I can live on the edge now. This is this is my danger zone.
0: Yeah, you need that. You need that darkness you got out here in L.A. There's not enough of it there. He's like, ooh, I could get cut. Ah. Whose jokes can I work with?
1: <laughs> I mean, we got we got we got some dangerous places in in Omaha. I remember there was a barley street open mic where we all thought there was a gunshot, but It was just someone threw a brick in someone's windshield. Um, oh, that was
0: well, still, at least there's still vandalism involved. That was that was still but... a rough
1: time. Uh, and I remember running into a room with no exit. Um, and looking <laughs> looking back, I still don't understand why I did it. I don't I don't get it. But it, it felt it felt safe at the time. Um, so... But
0: you gotta have the, the person whose jokes you stole in town, I think. I think that would help. I think that... Otherwise, you're doing, like, an old season one, this is Maisel, all the white guys steal each other's jokes.
1: <laughs> Shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Dave, um, I ask comics all the time to pick what they want to talk about, and you picked Partners in Crime. That
0: was, was the first of Robert your Robert Townsend and his Partners in Crime town- is one of my favorite all-time
1: like comedy specials back in the day. So besides, why why do you gravitate towards it? I was a, I, I, I was born in Chicago, but I grew
0: up in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was doing stand-up at like 17. And it was one of those first things you see. Like I saw Hollywood Shuffle and, and Robert Townsend Partners in Crime, like all that early stuff. And you're like, wow, there are people like me doing this, and they're doing it in a different way than just straight stand-up. It was amazing to see that it existed, and it really opened the door for me to feel like maybe I can do this at some point.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. It felt like, uh, it felt like a celebration of a lot of different forms of art. It felt like, uh, it didn't it didn't feel like I compared it to the Smother Brothers, where the Smother Brothers felt like a show put on by NBC.
0: Uh, and this, but right. be- Partners in Crime, though, ended up in a place where it's like it was Robert Townsend and Keenan Ivy Wayans. They were a duo back in the day. They were a stand-up duo. And they would do their stuff. But this is like right before that kind of ended. And all the friends that were out doing comedy, Franklin the Jai, and the rest, you know, everyone was kind of involved. And it's like, how do we get everyone paid? And they're out here in LA, you know, he, like he used his credit cards to do Hollywood Shuffle. Everyone knows that story. One of my favorite movies of all time, but with partners in crime, they did that at like the West LA VA in the theater there, you know, on a budget. And they had all their friends come out and do sets and, a lot of those people are all working all over the place. Still, to this right. day, they're like they're a big base of everything.
1: I had to pause every now and then and, and just look at all the people that were on on the screen. There was a lot of fucking names on that thing. Like before, they were names. Mm-hmm. I'm still surprised, Bobby, uh, like the musical guest, man. Like all of that was impressive. Yeah, yeah. Like holy shit. Um, it's now
0: full disclosure. I haven't seen it in years, but I still remember big chunks of it. Like who was on there? Like it wasn't the time. It was like because he did like three specials. Yes, he did. But uh, I'm trying to remember who the musical guest like they, it was like the time or somebody that was on there. I remember, uh, and it was like
1: Bobby and Br- uh, out. No, Bobby
0: Brown. Yeah, Bobby was Brown Bobby was on Brown it, and, and
1: I forgot her name.
0: Not his wife, right? We're not talking about Whitney Houston.
1: No, 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 no. Oh, I forgot, I forgot her name now. But it it was someone else. It wasn't wasn't Wilding out. That was one of the later ones. Um, this one, this one was really fun. I I liked the sketches. I think the sketches were interesting. Um it didn't especially for the time. It did. Yeah. It did felt I was I was being told by uh one of our producers Rich who uh watched it more uh at the time. Like this was a precursor to In Living Color, which was a precursor to Chattel, Yeah, which was a precursor to Camp Peel. And it feel like you can see that that bloodline a little bit. Um especially of course with in Yeah, in especially Color. with
0: Keenan involved in the first one. Yeah, cuz Keenan was so deliberate in what he ends up making after that. Right. You know pretty awesome that colored my entire universe like before i left for the military and you know left memphis tennessee and, and saw the rest of the world and doing different stuff in all these different places you you know you you get a pattern because that's what you know like wow that could be awesome that would be amazing uh what you know, specifically you about
1: lucky. it uh, drew you in
0: it was the fact that they were making things like that and i was only dreaming about dreaming about making things like this this is right after hollywood shuffle which was probably one of my one of my top five movies all the time still is. And you start looking at like, oh, they are at HBO and HBO is letting them make this with their friends. They can You can make projects with your friends. That's amazing. And much less the like minds and the different minds, the, the cutting edge of what they were talking about. Like the, you know, when you have sex, the sex ed one where it's like, you know, when you have sex, you have sex with all of your partner's partners and them having to look at all these people. <laughs> you know, the idea of them, doing musical numbers and classic Shakespeare at the same time being hood or, you know, it's just amazing to see that that was happening because you're trying to figure out who you are as a kid coming out of whatever. You're coming out of Omaha, me coming out of Memphis, Tennessee and trying to figure out what I can talk about not being dirty per se and just, you know, wanting to do something that was creative. I remember watching that and go like, there's all kinds of things you can do.
1: Yeah, it had this feel of like, like not in a bad way, but like, fuck it, this will be fun. Like the ending of the one I saw, was let's just end on a Broadway number. And I thought it was going to be a joke, but no, they do a Broadway musical ending, uh, with musical guests and they do dancing all that. It just, it just felt like a this would mm-hmm. be fun. Let's just do it. And that, that feeling was permeated throughout the entire special of just kind of like putting on a show in Omaha or in LA. It's like, I'm going to do a show with my friends. We're going to get together and we're going to have this great time and people are going to come in and watch it and enjoy it with us. And some it's guy, like
0: Bing and Bob on their road show. Like it's like, hey, we got to put together this the end of summer production. If we don't do it, there's a great producer coming through town. We're gonna have to stop them and make a make a name for ourselves. Right? Yeah.
1: It like it had this like rotten. It's an immediacy. It had this like motley crew vibe, like not like the band, but like this just a group yeah. of people. And sometimes in like more product not, not production base, but like sometimes in a Netflix special or like in a TV show sometimes it just feels so calculated. It feels so, oh gosh, uh, sterile, I guess in a way where everything's planned. And this one doesn't feel. Well, that's, that's the world today. Yeah. I guess that, I guess that maybe this is a, a sign of the times. Like it just, this doesn't feel planned. It doesn't feel like it's aimed to sell something to somebody. It feels like, it feels like a show. It feels like a service. It feels like, uh, like a parade.
0: It's the end of summer stock. Yeah. And you're, that big town that big time producer's coming through and if he sees it, we'll all be stars. And that's exactly what they that's exactly what they were trying to make at that time. And it looks like one of those kind of things because it came together the, the need to be perfect came later. As things got more refined as you get into the system, as things get more refined, and as people figured out on the outside how to do it more professionally, it changed how I think people look at things. Like, oh, this seems like a much more professional. Like they know what they're doing. They may or may not. But you know it's like it changed how you looked at comedy. You wanted things to be perfect versus being in the moment with them. but that's that's just the nature of the beast over time
1: and there's something there's something to be said about just doing a show and it being kind of sloppy. I mean, you've probably done a show, and i, I remember doing a show uh, at uh, Oliver's. It was a charity show. um i had mm-hmm. I had my set written out, but the crowd was feeling a certain way, and I was feeling a certain way. And I started just riffing with the crowd or doing old jokes I hadn't done before and just kind of playing it fast and loose. And there's something, there's something to be said where comedy shouldn't be clean. Okay, clean yeah. the sense of like it's set up. It Comedy should be a little right. a little messy. And that doesn't mean you go in there without a plan. No, you. it comes from knowing how to tell a joke and what you want to say, but also like, ah, screw it. Right. Yeah, and that's what this feels like. Like if, if it was more polished. And not
0: getting cut by a comic. That uh, right. <laughs> comes in and says, "Hey, you stole my joke. You, you ever used that joke in three years? That's my joke. shiv, shift, shiv. shiv. <laughs> That's my joke. shiv, shiv, shiv.
1: That's my joke. shiv, shift, shift. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it just feels. It just feels like that, and I love it. And like, if it was a more like, I guess, streamlined show, big, uh, big, the black and the bold would have been cut down to a minute." But it went on for a while and it just felt like a bunch of people had like, hey, here are these characters. What can we do with them? Let's throw them in and throw some many different situations and just go with it. And it it feels funny. But that's
0: because of the attention span though, because like you couldn't have done that today that way. It'd be too long. But back then it was like it was perfect because everyone had the time to watch it. You weren't rushing and doing something else. You were watching. You wanted more of that sketch. You didn't ninety seconds you'd be like, What what? That's it? No more. More, more, more. I, I could, so it's I, just, I, could I think that. it's just a time a ton of times.
1: I, I could see that, especially, I mean, that's where a lot of the modern uh, complaints with SNL is that this idea was going on way too long and shouldn't be five minutes when right. it was the only thing you had. Uh, and now with comedy being, I wouldn't say oversaturated, but there's a lot of avenues for it. You have your for sure. Yeah yeah. Sure. And much
0: less the bite-size, shareable size of everything that you want.
1: Right, and that's I would say that's a symptom uh and not a cause. Uh at least to me, I would say the bite-size was the symptom of like trying to vie for someone's attention. I mean even, uh, yeah, 20, I even t- mm, 10 years ago you had mm, 15 years ago, you had maybe Comedy Central and you had HBO. And Uh, Now I have so many different avenues. I could go on random on Pandora. I can look for specific people on Spotify. I can go to any podcast uh, and everyone has a special or there's even Netflix and it's just hard to find people. It creates a lot of smaller window. I mean, in Omaha, you're told by a bunch of people, it's like, hey, Mel in LA, you only get two minutes or in New York, you only get two minutes at an open mic Uh, because so many people are fighting. And here you get 15, You could get 15, depending on the mic. Because when there's more of it, there's less to go around. And this feels yeah. counter uh, counter to all of that. And I appreciate that. It takes its time. It does what it wants to do. And if you're in, you're in. if you're out, just leave. And I like that.
0: I agree. I mean, growing up in Memphis, I was doing comedy. I think we had one comedy club at the time back then. It was Sir Laughs-A-Lot. And I'm doing comedy in a bar show. I'm 17. I can't even drink in the bar I'm in. And I was doing comedy to nobody. And then the last week, I get to go over to Sir Lashley for this comedy competition. And you're watching, you know, how much time everyone has to stretch their legs. And you've been doing comedy in an empty room. You're thinking you're going fast. You are dragging the entire thing down. You know, yeah. you know? You're used to so much time to do something. Get to the point, kid, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's but, a, there's a mix between like, go like doing what you want to do and having some time to throw in a bunch of extra jokes. And also just like, don't tell me a fucking story for one punchline. Like there's, there's a very small line. You could, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is it's just,
0: having the wherewithal of who's in the room too, like knowing that you can do this or do that.
1: Exactly. And I think, I think with this special, what it does is it said, Hey, this sketch went on for a while. Okay. We're going to move on to the next thing. And that is, uh, I know, uh, uh, a stand-up set, or we're gonna do a musical number, or even in uh, Townsend's set, it doesn't stand on an idea for that long. It it does what it wants to do for as long as it wants to do it, but then it just quickly moves. It goes, I don't want to do this right. anymore. We move on, and that seems counterintuitive to what we've been saying about taking your time. But like one thing about doing having your time is you get to do what you want and when and how. Right, you and want
0: the style it. at that time was still. Set up punchline, you know. Oh, it was very '80s. Setup yeah, punchline. Oh yeah. You, yeah, and no you, tagging really.
1: Oh no, even your even your heckler at the end, uh, who was drastically different than the other two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was man, that was great. Like old '80s style hecklers. Like oh, that, that was fun to watch. Our time, I've been on. Hey, hey, hey brother.
0: <laughs> Want to put your feet back? <laughs> Look at big ass feet like that, man. <laughs>
1: stand on Broadway, trip the people on Main with your feet. Good looking folks in here, ain't it? Old lady back there with a the
0: jerry curl. Just messing up somebody's pillowcase, ain't she?
1: Uh. Even that was still, hey, look how big you are. Punchline, you can put in a little bit of water and still be uh, and still be overboard. Like, it's, it still set a punchline. Yeah, right. yeah, but it's still, it's still, he just didn't it felt like no one was flashing him a light telling him to get off the stage. It just felt like he was having time to breathe. And I think that's where maybe the love came in is everyone got to do what they wanted to do. You have some amazing sketch actors in yeah. there. They're going to do some sketch stuff. You have some amazing, uh, you have some great improvers. They're going to do improv stuff. You have some amazing fucking musicians. But it was all
0: one thing there. It was yeah. all of the same thing back then, though, especially out here, because everyone you know was just trying to get in where they fit in. But I could do this, too. I do this, you know, and the musicians were a different thing. But yeah, overall.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, wherever you can fit in, jump in. Uh, It felt like, uh, yeah, it felt like those open mics uh, we have in Omaha, a couple of the open mics we have in Omaha are poets, musicians, comics. And it just feels like once everything starts coming together, a bunch of different art forms are coming together. It just feels like this, like mini Woodstock. I don't know. Like it just feels (laughs) like. You have people selling crystals. You have people selling art. You have (laughs) have just people coming. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And just people coming together and like showing off their art, even outside of the mic, there's people with their piano or people trying to sell you, show you their poetry or show you their jokes. And it's just, it's just nice when things come together. Like when you're not worried about like what your next gig is or who's going to pay you or, or trying to network. Uh, you end up just showcasing and this was a great chance to showcase some artists and art that maybe at the time, maybe wouldn't have gotten a chance to be on a stage uh, for HBO. And it's just a great, great chance to give people a voice who maybe weren't going to be on HBO that year.
0: I think you're right. I mean, I think you always want to, like, if you could do it with your friends, that's the best way to go. But like a lot has changed over time. Back then, it's like, you know, you you could pull your friends along where now everyone's got to have credit oh dude you got to have a credit i would love to have you but you got to have a credit so they're going to make me put people on the credits like you know
1: okay I, you can that, have your that i maybe don't know yet what do you mean by credits
0: i feel very lucky to be on Sherman's showcase cuz i was the only person that didn't already have credits by the time we were shooting it but they 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 fought for me and they got me on Bashir Diallo got me and then when they saw me they're like okay he's the guy I see which, I see why you want him he's worked on every one of your projects whenever I get in I get to move up but they wanted people that were already you know like oh this guy's already writing on the show this guy's already done a tonight show this guy uh, you know writes in late night and they're always looking for people who have credits already toward what they're going they're not looking for the new the raw you know never been seen before they want the new the raw that no one really knows about but has already worked on this and done that and the other
1: the, the the safe bet that seems like a gamble.
0: Well, that's the safe bet to them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The safe bet that seems like a gamble. Yes.
1: And that's that's always rough. Like a uh, in a in a smaller scene or venue, uh, that may not always be the case. But you still get the thing of like, hey man, who's on the show with me? And uh, sometimes it's just like I don't know, my buddies. Uh, I I ended up doing an old sh- a show called Through the Hard Way, where me and Matt. Said, hey, who are we going to book? And go, I'm going uh, to book my friends or the South Dakota show. Hey, who am I going to book? Well, people I want in a car with me for three hours. And those, cre- right. those create fun shows. People I want to drive up with for a few hours, and we end up do, uh, doing dumb shit. Uh, at another Lever show, uh, I had a friend, Don Seeger, hit me, gave me a full thing, a uh, pint of beer, and go, I want you to finish this during your 10 minute set. Uh, <laughs>
0: He has a scene. The Budweiser bit then because I finished beer.
1: I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was rooting. And they got another
0: beer. Oh really? Yeah. Well, I got. I'm I'm pretty good. I've I've been doing it around a little bit. The fun thing is when you run. I get to a certain point. I'm like, you ever run out of beer in the middle of your set? And someone brings you a new beer. And I start pounding the second one. I've done it for ten minutes that Sam Elliott bit.
1: Oh, I only saw it for five, and it was. It was the most giddy I felt. Um, uh, But during the. It takes guts and commitment. It does. It, it, man, it's, it's fun seeing someone take an idea that is so unique and so bizarre and just says, not only am I gonna do it, I'm gonna do it for the full time not going to do anything new that is normal comedy. We're just going to run with it. We're going to see what it is. And then just in getting that enjoyment, that is also the enjoyment of watching the comedian have fun doing this weird thing. And it's so fun. We're going to post
0: it soon. We're shooting it. We're getting ready to shoot it. And we're going to have it posted really soon. So I'll send you a link eventually where you can find a, a series of that. We're going to try to get it up on Instagram and everything. It'll be fun.
1: Oh, awesome. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, holy shit. That's cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, Man, shows should be fun. Like, I know that seems like a simple statement, but yeah. you host shows enough. You do enough shows. And it turns to a point where it's like, it's not about being fun. It's about trying to get asses in the seat. And yeah. that's what I hate. Like, that's what I hate about comedy. The minute you have to make me bark, I don't like it. I'd rather...
0: And no one likes to be told what to do.
1: Right. No one likes to be told...
0: And that's the audience and the comics included. That's everybody.
1: Oh, it, is, it is not a fun feeling. And... Like that moment where you just pop up. That's why I like pop up shows. Like, hey, let's all get together. Let's just don't even worry about like if it's gonna be J or not. Let's just tell some jokes. Or like I, I've had a couple of barley shows where it gone hours after the open mic. People are just roasting each other. And we're all just <clears> sitting around and just yelling at each other, making jokes, and that's fun. Like man, and that's what that's what I liked about the special. I might actually go back and rewatch it. Uh, not to, not tonight because I have an open mic, but. Just a fun
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, I understand totally like racing a clock is oh I gotta get to this over oh, I got this I got this uh finale like uh like watch party and I gotta go host the show but I gotta get all this in by I have to be done with everything by like, you know, step seven- like four o'clock. Right. So I can get all this other stuff in and I'll be racing the clock, but I'm gonna get it all in. Yeah, and, when and you, you go like this, gosh, I wish I could have just sit down and read by Steinbeck book.
1: Well, I mean, when you only have three open mics a week, three to four, like I don't want to miss any of them. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Um, no, I, I, yeah. Sometimes you gotta read. Sometimes you just gotta take it easy and read your Steinbeck book or your or your Douglas Adam books.
0: Okay, nerd. I yeah yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wish I still read though. I have I have tons of books. I rarely read. I'll read on my phone or something. But like, I think the last book I read was like. Some old Hugo, like award-winning, like mm. sci-fi book or something.
1: I think the last so book he- I finished was Fellowship. <laughs> was Fellowship of the Ring.
0: And like it, an 800-page eight, book.
1: But it took me like a year. Like, I will I will buy a bunch of books and not finish them for a while. Uh, so a couple of years back when my brother bought me Dune, and I go, why? I'm not, why? <laughs> I I'm excited to read it, but I'm going to be an old man. <laughs> I also can't audiobooks as reading, so sometimes I will put up an audiobook and just blast through that while doing something else. Um yeah. That's been mostly comedy books have been on my audiobook list. Like I'm reading uh Born Standing Up by Steve Martin.
0: Yeah, I have that in hard copy that I want to read and I have that read it. It's
1: really good. If you get a chance, it's really good. I enjoy it. Um also Silver Screen fiend by Patton O'swald, I will recommend till the day I die. Uh it is about his addiction to old films and how that kind of cost him his job mm-hmm. and a bunch of stuff, but also about the birth of alt comedy in L.A. Uh, okay. And it, that sounds pretty cool. It actually is pretty fun. Uh, I've only listened to it. It's a five-hour listen, so if you're ever driving, uh, it, you can cut it off pretty quickly.
0: I'm very lucky. that my. That's another reason I don't read and I don't listen to a whole lot of radio of late podcasts because my world radius is like a five-mile radius, so I'm not in the car a whole lot.
1: Oh, yeah, true. I uh I was from the LAX to Burbank and that took me about an hour and a half. So that that's how I know LA is just hour long traffic to get anywhere. But if you don't read where do you get your inspiration? Like uh, on your in your I, day-to-day.
0: Yeah, I I pretty much I work through the idea from all my years of improv, I'm out of Chicago, Second City and improv at Olympic out of Chicago. Right. And I believe in the truth in comedy. That's my day-to-day. Like my normal set is just my day-to-day living. And uh, like trying to survive my wife and my daughter for them, you know, trying to kill me at every turn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, my, hey, joke? you know,
0: And then it's riffing with friends while you're drinking. And like the idea of the Budweiser bit came out literally out of just sitting outside and just riffing through a bit. I'm like, I'm going to go put this up at the mic. And then it killing at the mic. And like, I think I got something here. And then just running with it for a while.
1: Oh, that's, a, that's been like about a perfect, month and yeah. a half. Oh, yeah. Um I know my jokes are usually come from uh, I'm talking to myself when I'm going for a walk or going for a drive. I get so lost in thought. I start talking to myself, and the minute I start laughing, I go, "There's the joke." Right on. Yeah, uh, it comes off as more crazy. Uh, I actually got a call from David Kalsgaard, a comic friend of mine, because uh, he was driving mm-hmm. past me and says, "You know, you look like a psychopath because you're doing these karate chops and you're talking to yourself."
0: Um, yeah, there's definitely a sign of insanity involved.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, just truth and comedy is just like the way to do it, um, and that that is a very improv thing, like finding. T- Finding comedy in the moment, finding finding the choice and going with that choice and going for it leads to uh, some very organic storytelling and some organic joke writing. And,
0: and punchline. Like, yeah, like I find myself like in places I never expected it to be just because I'm going with the first thought that I really believe in and enjoying it. And then it let it take its own turns and then just have to remember it afterward, which is another skill you learn in improv. Exactly. To and that's- write for sketch.
1: And that's what yes ending means. It doesn't mean putting rocket parts on cars. It means going with that first thought and going with what feels natural. And that that's why every every comedian should take an improv class. Uh, exactly. I think that's the
0: basics. I think you're oversimplifying yes. after my years of improv. Oh, gosh, but, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh,
1: gosh, yes. <laughs> I only took like two years of improv at UNO when we did more of like a uh, kind of a showcase style and like, Couple of classes at backline. I only know simple, simple, uh, and reading improv um, for storytellers. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, that
0: was what a great book back in the day to start your BA.
1: Oh yeah, it is. It's it's a great book that I still reference. It's it's a beginnings book. It's like it's like trying to read understanding comics and want to be the next Frank Miller. It's but it's a great it's a great starting point. Um, and take the basis of everything is what I like. Um, That's
0: a good point. That's good. I like that.
1: Uh, so how do you feel like being on a sketch show today when you grew up seeing and being inspired by like Townsend's partners in crime?
0: It's not like you think it's like trying to join the justice league or something, but you like, you don't have a whole lot of meetings with the entire group. It's always like, okay, you and, you know, third level, you know, superheroes, so and So are you going to be over there? You're in charge, but you're gonna be over there. Get back to us when you're done. Don't come into the meeting hall when we're there. You're not allowed. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you're excited, but yet you're like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. They're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just go over there and do this thing that we have. But you can do whatever you want in it. Like they let me improvise a lot in what we were doing. As long as I knew what I wanted to do inside of what they built. Yeah. And the director, uh, Matt Piedmont, was amazing. He did like, was it like, all of the stuff for Comedy Central's uh, Kristen Wiig and uh, what's his name uh, that played Spider-Man with Maguire, like uh, Toby Toby. Yeah, like he did all their like you know so and so before dying, all those little movies that they were doing at Comedy Central. He directed the whole thing, and he just yeah, Matt Piedmont. He he let me rip and run, but and it's it's like oh that's great. Whatever you want to do is fine. There, just stand here and make sure that you turn this way. Give me something else. Like he just kept giving me like anything I wanted to do. He let me do.
1: Oh, that's that sounds exciting. Like the ability to just do whatever that whatever you want in the moment. That's always as
0: long as it fits in context. Yeah, of course, of course. It was hilarious to me that I kept, you know, like the the whole production crew like laughing at a certain level that was frightening because I was like, you never know when you're shooting certain stuff if they like it because they can't laugh. Right. And then we were laughing, and I'm wondering, like, is that on the mic? Is that on the mic? Do I have to do it again because that's on the mic? (laughs) I start panicking. Can I remember what we just did? You know.
1: And so, so you're feeling that's a different experience than uh, watching towns, and you feel like those two things are in. I guess two different parts of your uh
0: I think cor- I think it's the same variety of space, but the idea of the, the talented show is they were all so seasoned already that they were all just looking for a break to move through and it became that, like we said earlier, that uh we're gonna raise the barn and have our summer stock and hopefully we all get to move to the next level. This show has got so many I mean, Neos on it. Quincy Jones. Wait, uh John Legends, one of the producers. Like yeah. all these people are involved with Bashir and Diallo that those are the two creators that I just me showing up and making any kind of way into any of the publicity, which I did was amazing. Like everyone else is pretty much famous. I'm the only dude on here that is not famous that they let rip and run like that. I was like, that felt so good. Robert Townsend let all those guys rip and run because they all knew what they were doing. He'd been in the trenches with them at the comedy store and the improv and they're all running around town. Some are actors, some are comics. Summer like, you know, dirty, like black club comics and just giving them a vehicle that they could just rip and run. I think, I feel like it's connected. Yeah. Did they it, let me do that all the way across, you know, but they had more things that they were trying to get seen with. and It was amazing.
1: Did it, did it feel kind of a, uh, in a, in a sense, uh, like empowering to be able to, again, like you said, rip and run with a bunch of people that, uh are seasoned, are vets in a way.
0: Most definitely. Like, you know, it's such a, to go, like, yeah, I can do that too. Oh yeah, I still gotta figure out rent this month though. Right. Yeah, I'm not gonna make that happen. Hey, but we, we all hung out though. My buddy uh, John Legend texted me. No, <laughs> he didn't text me. But um, you know that feeling of like, yeah, yeah, it's gonna happen soon. You watch this and they're going like this, yeah. Okay, we're gonna keep the lights on dim for a couple of weeks just to make sure that we don't spend too much.
1: How does it feel, uh, There, at least for me, I know I did a local access television show. And there was a huge voice in me screaming, "They're all gonna, they're all gonna make fun of you. They're all gonna laugh at you. You're gonna fail." Uh, and so, when you're in what could be seen as a high-stakes situation, as kind of like ripping and running, how do you get that voice out? How do you, how do you kind of dull that din, in uh, so to speak? Oh, that's
0: very simple, my friend. You hope to fail spectacularly if you fail.
1: Just fail big. You,
0: yeah. You gotta like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you don't go for it. Like, oh, be tentative and like. I'm not sure. No, you go, you commit, my friend. You live every moment like, hey, no one's gonna watch this anyway. Hey. They're gonna hate it anyway. Hey. They paid me already. Hey.
1: Just make it big. Make it big and make it bold?
0: Yeah, go for it and enjoy the shit out of it.
1: All right, I think I might do that. Worst case scenario is like just someone cuts me. So
0: yeah, yeah, you Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Make it work. But you never know because if you're having a great time, everyone else hopefully vibes on that because that's the whole thing about any of this you know like if you're doing something yeah jokes could be the smartest jokes in the world but if no one's feeling you and you're doing it maybe it works maybe it doesn't you have the worst jokes ever but you're having a great time and everyone else is giggling with you because they're feeling how great of a time you're having it really puts you in a different place and if those two elements are married together holy shit hopefully someone important sees you at that barn and gives you a shot at the big time in New York City.
1: New York City.
0: Uh, yeah, the closest thing to Omaha I can think of for a barn show. That yeah, guy's not fair. coming from the West Coast. He's uh, no. not driving through on the, the West Coast.
1: Well that, that well, that New York City guy, he's not driving to Ashland. So I get it. Um I don't know. Summer stock,
0: you can put it anywhere.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh Ashland Household has has a great little museum about uh like the tar pits and uh animals being covered up from the uh fossils and stuff. It's it's cool. Um I I was a huge nerd as a kid. That's what I'm learning. Um the more I talk.
0: <laughs> That's now, all right though. It's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, I have you my You have some reference.
1: I do. I got to have something to to lean back on. Uh I know for me my ritual in order to get ready to get big and loud, I rather listen to for, Weird Al. is usually my go-to or Green Day's Dookie. Mm. And I just kind of I pump myself up. I kind of get ready. Um uh, but I also tell myself that like at the end of the day, I kind of tell myself like fuck it, it doesn't matter, uh, and I have a, I have a little pump up music or pump up time for myself to get ready. I pace the building, I get ready. How do you <laughs> get ready? How do you get into that? Fuck it, uh, we're just gonna go. It's been a up long
0: in. time since then because when I used to like direct our improv troupe, I would never get to rehearse. I would rehearse them, but I would always have a little prayer I'd say before I go on stage, and it's, it's I guess it's still the same. The prayer goes like, "Dear Lord, don't let me be the one to fuck this up tonight." <laughs> You know, this idea of like you just I just watch the room, I watch the comics and hope that I, I just stay in the right mindset. Like I'm I'm not a young man and you learn how to trust your instincts and really give yourself the opportunity, like if you mess this up, that's fine. But if you know what you're doing, what you do, let's go out there and get that. And you don't you don't have any fallback other than you just really want to make sure that you stay in the right mindset and know what's happening in case you gotta call an audible, in case you gotta go off script like you were saying earlier man. and do a joke you haven't told in seven years because that's where they're at and you want to be where they are as much as possible.
1: Through skill, through practice, through years of working on something, then you kind of have that ability to let loose. Cause you have this back catalog of stuff you can kind of rely on or throw out. Uh, and you know, it works even when you're just joking around, you know how the structure of how, what something fu- uh, funny is. And. Yeah. Even
0: if you don't go back to the old stuff, yeah. Just the idea of knowing where Knowing who your audience is, at least right. who you want them to be and how you discuss that with them and make that agreement. As comic and an audience, you really want to make an agreement with them that you're in this together exactly, and that you'll make sure that they're safe or not safe, maybe whatever your promise is. It's, you can say, hey, this is not going to be safe. you know, and, and people will buy into that as long as you're telling them from up front and they know what, who you're trying to be.
1: Exactly. And I think a younger comic... It's almost like wanting to drive. Like a younger comic just wants to drive now, and they want to get behind that wheel now and go crazy, but they can't. But they're
0: doing it from the passenger seat. though. Right,
1: right. You're doing it. You're doing it. They from... reach
0: it for the steering wheel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like you need to get your permit first before you can you can drive. Like just learn. No, no, I, I can drive right now. They no. grab
0: the steering wheel. They put their hand on your knee. They push your foot on the gas. Ah, uh,
1: <laughs> and they're driving all like wopsided. Oh, it's just a mess, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, and yeah, it's, a lot of accidents. A lot of accidents. A lot of accidents. Uh, you didn't kill it, but we are dead.
0: <laughs> it's like that first phone call. Like after I don't know if you ever had a car accident when you were a kid. I remember being a kid, and the first thing the kids always yeah. say to their friends, like, first off, I want to tell you that I'm
1: okay. Yeah,
0: I'm I've okay. I've done that.
1: I've done that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and then you proceed into the this. Problem. So like as a young Kumama, first thing I just want you to know that I feel great about the set. Um, the material didn't quite survive.
1: I I remember a different variation of that is I walked up, I used to do forensics, speech. And sometimes
0: Oh, I did that too in high school.
1: Oh yeah, I did it in college, uh, and a little bit in high school. But in college, I would do impromptu speaking. And there were times I'd go up to my coach and go, Hey, listen, um, speech went great, but I talked <laughs> I talked about Winnie the Pooh, and I also talked about uh I talked about the first vibrator. It got things got weird quick, but think I got that win. So don't worry guys. And (laughs) (laughs) it's just about wanting to do some, once you've been doing it long enough, you want to do some dumb shit. Like I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't go to that point in improv after, uh, impromptu speaking after, unless I did like a bunch of speeches where I was doing it by the book. And I just want to say something dumb and I want to say something fun. Cause if I listen to the guy behind me talk about a theory that I've heard a hundred times, I'm going to fucking blow my brains out. And I just want to do something fun. And sometimes you go to an open mic. I remember there was one open mic. There was no one left. I was the last comic. And there was one thing I always wanted to do. I pulled up my phone and I saw the lyrics to All Star. And I wanted to read it in a monotone voice. Not because <laughs> they would like it, but because I would find it funny. And then I had to stop myself because I thought, no, no one else would find it funny. And that's been my one regret in comedy is I didn't do something dumb like that. I had the perfect opportunity to just have some fun, do something silly. Jeremy. Yeah.
0: Jeremy, this is an old man here. You run back to that mic, you go there now, you start moving, you take that, that lyric sheet that you have in your phone and you go to that mic, I don't care if anyone's there, I don't care if there's a mic there, you just go, you read that, you read yes! the lyrics to the fuck rock. yes. You do that.
1: Oh, this is the justification of all the shit I needed to do. <laughs> Uh,
0: I've been black a long time, man. That's how uh, it works. So the magical Negro comes into your life and sends you down a path <laughs> to success and fame, and then I fade back into a bush.
1: <laughs> I learned a lot that summer. You go. <laughs> that summer, I you became know, a as real a man. Car. Yeah. Mm. You know,
0: after he went to that mic, he was arrested for. Loitering in a place he didn't belong. And the church service that was happening it was amusing, but he made a career in prison comedy. <laughs> uh, I'll drink another sarsaparilla with my friends.
1: <laughs> Why am I feeling wistful that's and nostalgic funny. right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
0: that's, this when, is... that's when Jeremy's podcast took off and <laughs> became known worldwide.
1: Oh, this is some he doesn't
0: remember that moment, but. Yeah, he doesn't remember that moment, but it changed his life. He credits his mother for giving him the impetus to do it. Not me and this conversation we were having, but oh well, I'm a bush now.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's the promo? That's the promo? Yeah, that's fair. The other can we can we make a separate promo specifically for the comic page of them saying go out and do the dumb shit so that way I have an excuse now? Just <laughs> always doing the dumb shit. Uh. Just show you running like just a clip of you running down streets. You never show up anywhere. Like I'm off to do the dumb shit. Yeah. When I when I first did comedy, I wore a tweed jacket and a black shirt, and I would tell sad one liners and then bring out a kazoo. And I would try an improv a song, but it was always Seven Nation Army. Uh, and then do a, <laughs> And now that I know a bit more about comedy, I want to do that again. There's something, f-
0: like. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that guy's yeah. not
0: getting. But I think shows. you should do. I think you should do uh, the Smash Mouth song a different like dialect. do one as drama. Do one monotone. Do it as a whispered theme.
1: Fuck it, yeah! Yeah, we're doing that. Hey yeah. yeah! Yeah! you Yeah! You're a rock star.
0: Get your game on. Go play. Yeah, just take it as that's your closer for the next three months of you doing it any kind of way you can. Speed <laughs> reading it, whatever you got to do. Uh, just-
1: you know, the backline gives me three minutes. I think I could say that song in three minutes.
0: Yeah, just do that as a bit and don't say anything else. Oh, yeah. Just come out and go into it and then leave.
1: Yep, that's the bit now. Yeah, we're doing this. Uh, people that asked yep, me what his they were life doing. life changed
0: right after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, <they> were doing. <laughs> I was there that day. I thought he was a crazy person, but uh, wow, it really took off after that. It's weird. Yeah, he did that song, and he made his moment.
1: Now he's reading. Now he's
0: up. known throughout the country as that guy.
1: <laughs> oh, I feel like an inspiration. Uh, I can now read "Lover" on like a uh, Carnegie Hall in my Woody Woodpecker voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a Sonic the Hedgehog 1990s Sonic AM voice. But I get it. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh God, who played Urkel? Yeah. Who played Urkel? I can't remember now. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he was. Was
0: uh, it Stephen White or not Steve White? Was it? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah.
1: Anyways, he his vo- his turn on uh, Sonic. It was more <laughs> like type of thing 90s attitude-y. So that that would he be-
0: played he played. Sonic
1: the Hedgehog? In the 90s uh, for, I believe, both Sonic AM and Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Jameel, Jaleel Jameel White Jameel was White. the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog? Yes. He was the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog?
1: In the, in the two cartoons, yes, he was.
0: <laughs> I did not know that.
1: Rumor has it in, the game, old. in the game Sonic Generations for the 360, uh, for Classic Sonic, he was supposed to reprice his voice, but they couldn't get him. And they said instead of Gerald White, we'll just make him silent.
0: Wow, it was surprisingly
1: interesting. I uh, that that was one of my first four reasons of like knowing who a voice actor is and getting really in interested uh, in voice acting. That and of course Mark Hamill. Uh,
0: wow, yeah, I did not know that. So uh, again, I'm a nerd. I, I gotta know. go back and look at this. I was over I was overseas somewhere like bone and chicks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was I was one I, I was learning about robots and Sonic the Hedgehog. Which are connected. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, looking online, it was 93. Yeah, 93. I was, I was overseas somewhere, like having a wild time in the military.
1: I, uh, I I was born the year after, uh, and getting really, really excited about dumb shit. Um, still ain't
0: 94. You were born in 94?
1: Yes. Last I checked. Wow. I'm 25. Wow. And five and a half, I think. I don't actually. know what to say now. Um, I'm kind
0: of like I'm like, you could be my kid.
1: Prob? Prob?
0: Probably? Well, I'm not saying not actually. Not <laughs> not probably, but that
1: possibility wise, oh, it could yeah. have happened. By the math, it could have been. It did make sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all. It's That's, yeah. I, I have no idea who your mom is. I've never met your mom. I'm sure she's a
1: wonderful woman. She's quite nice. She she listens to the podcast. Post some pictures ever soon online. That'd be great.
0: Uh, I didn't want to make it weird, but I made it weird. You made purpose. it weird. Sorry. It was good. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm glad you went for it. You, you took that risk and you went for it. And that's if I learned anything, it's it's that. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay, give me your number. It's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you had to take away anything to learn from the uh, from the Partners in Crime special, what would it be?
0: Trust your instincts. Bet on yourself. Uh, the same way he made like uh, Hollywood Shuffle. He uh, Robert Townsend basically maxed out all his credit cards to make the movie. And that led to it getting distribution and him getting the partners in crime special that he can make with his friends. So the idea of betting on himself and betting on his friends definitely pays off in that Mm -hmm. case. And we've all been that road and you, you really want to do it, but after, you know, who me once, shame on, you know, shame on me. Right. Who me twice shame on you or something like that. I don't know how that works. I think that's right. But having the guts to, you know, like, Trust your instincts and bet on yourself, and and take the people, like you said, on that car ride along with you. You know, like, and and knowing that it's going to work out just fine, or it doesn't, and you're still not, you know, gun shy because it's easy to get gun shy in this town of screwing something up and not getting to the next thing. So. Yeah, uh,
1: I would say just make that bold choice, have fun, embrace it, and yeah, make make your show a celebration. Like, just be happy that you're doing it. You know, whether you're at a bar you are on HBO. You get to do it, and that's you. Sh- you should live it as a celebration, and it will show. And they're here, yeah. And also make yeah bet on yourself. Make that big choice, and just say All Star. Just do it. Do those impressions. It'll be fun.
0: Yeah, even if they're horrible impressions.
1: Even if they're horrible impressions. Um,
0: just commit, it. commit,
1: commit. In fact, it'd be funnier if it was a bad impression. I think sometimes. Uh. I think sometimes in small doses.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes but that would, that would everybody, but if everyone tried it, you know, don't do it on stage. Just do it in your garage or a house party or, you know, yeah. your auntie's party that you didn't want to go to anyway, you know, make them uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Give them a really bad walking impression. Nation. Yeah. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah. But we should all, but everyone should do it though. Yeah. Oh, everyone sure.
1: should do it. Yeah. Yeah. Make it a contest.
0: Just not at the same event. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just not at the, just not at the same place I'm at. <laughs>
1: Just not where there's like a loud mic. Yeah, no, that's that's about right.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. So I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions. Um, okay. And first one is favorite sandwich.
0: Uh, bacon, lettuce, and cheese sandwich.
1: All right, all right. Uh, again, I like a good egg sandwich with some uh, hot sauce and mustard. Or I had something called a cattleman. Ooh. Yeah. At work, they sell sandwiches and they had something called a cattleman, which is just like a couple things of meat and two things of cheese. And I grab some sriracha and some mustard, and I heat it up for 30 seconds, and I'm good to go. Uh, It's a good time. Uh, Impressive. Yeah. Favorite joke that you're saying right now?
0: Uh, The the whole joke or just the piece of the joke that tickles me every time I say it? Oh,
1: the piece of the joke that tickles you. I think you you now know the answer to that. Uh, You go in there to that
0: hamster. You make sure those pellets are fresh, and that water's good. And one day, he'll get back on that wheel. And he'll start to walk, and then he'll start to run because he knows he's loved.
1: Can can I hear Frederick Douglass say that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just—it's a bit of this bit I've been doing called step pets. I talk about like like you're dating someone, you just inherit these pets, and like you got to make these relationships. And it's just like you go in there, you tell that hamster, you show that hamster that someone's there. Jesus, change those pellets. You change that water. You change the pellets on the bottom. You let him know he's loved. Maybe one day he'll get back on that wheel. That's just like a middle line of a like this long and detailed joke that I get to the point of going like, You have to take in your grandparents' dog because they die, and you take Spot home, let's call him Spot. You say, Come on, Spot, let's do it. He goes, first off, it's Uncle Spot. I'm not your dog, I'm your grandparents' dog. It's your grandmama, your sip your your mom, your dad, their siblings, me, then you. <laughs> so I'm your uncle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uncle Spot. Uh, next joke. I'm sorry. Next question. Uh, favorite comedians.
0: Favorite comedians. I don't have one right now, but I'm really enjoying seeing people around me do stuff. I really enjoy like Ed Greer. He was just on uh new Negroes and, uh, Ian Edwards mm-hmm. who Bill Burr just produced his special. I don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite right now. I just like watching different stuff and people really trying to find their vibe.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the most fun is watching someone you saw at the beginning. Change and grow. That's always an exciting experience. It's like, oh man, you're for sure. Yeah, you're becoming your own. And that's that makes you almost want to keep doing comedy.
0: Uh, Makes you want to keep watching them grow. Yeah. You want them to shoot past you and take you along as long as you can hold on.
1: Just uh, keep writing.
0: Talking to you, Jeremy. (sighs)
1: He's talking to me. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be waiting. I I will be trying. (laughs) That's my goal. Uh, I don't (laughs) know if I'm going to succeed, but I'll keep on trying. Uh, Oh,
0: you'll make it. He didn't know he'd make it that day, but he continued to write and tell jokes. And eventually, someone gave him a check for $15 and he gave Dave two.
1: <laughs> um, anyways, um, finally, uh, why do you tell jokes?
0: If I don't, I think I would burst.
1: That's fair. All right. But, Dave, where can we find you?
0: Uh, you can catch me on Instagram. I'm getting better at it. I'm not the greatest at uh, D. Carter Comedy. Also, you can catch me on Facebook with uh, Dave Carter. I'm the one with either the beard or the baby on my face, right? And uh, we're going to be moving to some newer things now that the world is kind of shifting around us. I'm thinking about some new things that I'll definitely let you I'll keep you informed of as we move forward.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah, keep me posted. Uh, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under Plum Jeremy, Facebook under same thing, uh, Jeremy Plum, I guess. Uh, but if you want to find the podcast and you stumbled on this for some reason. We're on uh, SoundCloud, Insta- uh, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and Apple. I don't think I'm missing one.
0: <laughs> Jeremy, you're doing so Dude, this is so much fun. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Dave, thank you. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. You were one of the highlights of my LA trip. And I'm so glad I got to record talking with you, buddy. Have a great night
0: you too and don't don't forget uh, Sherman Showcase you can stream it on ifc.com and the rest of it
1: I I won't I will watch it and uh, have fun at the party